Bullshit is everywhere. Bullshit is rampant. Bullshit. Welcome back to the Bullshit Filter, the news, Ray. Uh, Forgot where I was there for a second. The Bullshit Filter, the news, Mm -hmm. well, episode 43 in terms of our news uh, series. We're back, having finished our little anti-vax mini-series, thinking about another series. We just thought we'd do news shows for a while. Um, We were... We were... thinking about doing finally the history of israel uh and the Mm -hmm. israel palestine conflict but then kind of realized that's kind of what we're we're coming up to that in the cold war series so we might as well just do that along with the partitioning of india and the uh berlin airlift airdrop Mm -hmm. is it an airlift or an Mm -hmm. airdrop airlift why is it an airlift? Technically, the term- weren't they dropping stuff down to? Uh, they shouldn't have been airdrop. They were. They were airlifting supplies in, and only at the end of that would they drop them. So technically, it's an airlift air because lift. you're carrying stuff through the air. Right. Yeah. Pretty exciting. Yeah. Differentiation. Mm, okay. Yeah. But uh, so we're going to do news here. We'll, we'll we'll think up we'll think of something to do here. Yeah. Somebody, some idiot. Yeah. Here we go. Suggested we do climate change. And I was like, fuck me. We just did. <laughs> we just did six episodes of dumb. Science, um, bitches. Yeah, of science. And, and I don't I don't want to have to do more dumb arguments. Uh, right. I said to the yeah. guy, I'm only kidding. You're not an idiot, whoever you are. You're a very intelligent yeah. man. You listen to this show. You subscribe beautiful. to this show. So oh. you're, you're a beautiful human being. Um. I said, if you listen to the anti-vax ones, he goes, no, nah, not yet. And I said, well, listen to those because, quite honestly, there'd be yeah. the same arguments, I think, for climate right. change over again. Epistemology, heuristics, yeah. science denialism, etc. Anyway. Yeah. Um, Change a couple of words. Speaking of being in denial, uh, <laughs> the United States, your yeah. country, Ray, the country USA. of your birth. Right has charged uh, Julian Assange, Australian, the country of my birth, the um, the alternate cam, the alt.cam, Julian Assange, um, the smarter version of me. Julian Assange and I, twins, separated at birth. He's the smart one. See that. Although right. he's in jail and I'm not, so... So who's smarter? Yeah. Who's smarter? Let's, yeah. <laughs> The Trump administration has uh, uh, now announced 17 additional charges against Assange under the Espionage Act of 1917. Technically, if he was found guilty and given the maximum sentence for all of those charges, uh, that's about 170 years in prison. At the end of which, I think the uh, Trump administration will just be coming to a close. Um, Sounds right. Of course, the the Trump uh, monarchy, as as we would then by then refer mm-hmm. to it, mm. dynasty. 
The right. dynasty. Right. Don't make me play that song. <laughs> no, that's the wrong thing. Anyway, <laughs> I did play it on a show recently. Um, now, so there's the there's um, I guess there's a lot of debate uh, going on. Not as much as there should be. Not as much discussion about this as there should be. But uh, some debate going on about what this means for journalists and publishers, and not just in the United States, but anywhere in the world. Yeah, this is this is a big deal, and and I want to make sure that people understand what kind of a big deal this is. Now you know that I am a supporter of WikiLeaks. Uh, I mm-hmm. am a card carrying member of the WikiLeaks political party. I'm not sure it exists yeah. anymore, but it did, and I was a <laughs> I, was, I was a founding member of it. You were there. I'm a big believer right. in their mission of transparency and exposing government and corporate secrets because governments Mm -hmm. and corporations spend a lot of money and a lot of effort trying to hide stuff from us and you and i have looked at that the the some of the repercussions of that the consequences of that many times on this show on the cold war show uh, i've talked about it in my psychopath book Uh, governments lie corporations lie They, they they don't lie every minute of every day they don't lie about everything but they do lie it's you know i interviewed yesterday tony and i uh on our investing podcast uh, qav in uh, interviewed probably australia's leading finance journalist uh, mr alan Kohler. Mm-hmm. been around forever he's in his 60s was the editor of one of the biggest newspapers in the country for a few years as well uh, major contributor to TV, radio, print in this country, run his own um, media businesses and sold them for tens of millions of dollars. Very successful um, establishment, very establishment kind right. of, of guy. You don't get more establishment in terms of finance journalism, corporate journalism than, than Alan Kohler. And towards the end of the mm-hmm. interview, uh, Tony said, you know, Alan Cameron and I have been working on this book about psychopaths. Um you ever had a when in when you're interviewing CEOs? Have you ever had one lie to you? And he said, "Of course, all the time. That's their job to lie to me. <laughs> They're basically spruikers. He, they they just lie. That's their job." To he said, "Every CEO I ever talked to, everything's going great. Everything's fantastic. It's all going wonderful. Yeah. Got a great Didn't plan." He said, and "Like a week later, they get fired by the board because things are terrible." And then the new guy comes Corruption. in. He goes, "Oh, it's all great. We've got a great plan." Um, so even he, you know, this guy, and I was shocked that he would say that he's been, he's, no. a, he's an established, I was, I was thinking, shit, that's the sort of thing I say. I'm surprised <laughs> when an establishment guy says it. Yeah. CEOs lie all the time. Yeah. Um, right. so, well, uh, this is, this is how it is. And, and so somebody needs to right. be exposing those lies the, the and the media don't really do it as much as we want because they are part of the machine. They're. Corporate Absolutely. media is part of the corporate infrastructure, right? It was designed yeah. this way. So I'm a big fan of um, of WikiLeaks and of Julian Assange for mm-hmm. kicking it off and running it for the last however many years. Now, the whole Sweden, Sweden uh, allegations, right? separate issue. 
I mean, you, you can say I admire Woody Allen as a filmmaker and, and leave aside the allegations about his personal issues, I think. Um, so we should be able to do that for for artists, business people, publishers, separate uh, their, right. their, their activities from their personal life. You know, I... I I'm skeptical about the Swedish charges, as I've talked about on this show, the allegations, not charges even. There are no charges. There are allegations, accusations, hasn't yet uh, become charges. Uh, And I'm not sure Sweden's reopened that. There is talk of Sweden reopening uh, those uh, investigations, but I'm not sure that's actually happened yet funnily he's he's been out of the embassy for a month now and or more maybe sweden still hasn't reopened that investigation or or brought charges against him still uh anyway sorry yes you wanted to say something just just a quick question so i mean considering the relationship that the united states has with uh the uk versus sweden i imagine i mean it's a big thing that if sweden does um, bring up the request to have him, even if he is sent to Sweden um, instead of the United States, which I think is um, uh, doubtful. I think it's only a matter of time before the United States gets their hands on him. I mean, I just can't imagine the UK not giving in to the needs or the wants of America just because of our quote unquote special relationship. But um, what do you think the chances are of him going to Sweden if they ask? Before going, before coming to the United States, um, yeah, I, I don't know what the odds are of that, but I think the odds of him ending up in the United States uh, is very high, very, very high. Right, um, yeah. and th- you know, this isn't a Trump thing. Uh, this is a bipartisan mm-hmm. thing in the U.S. The Democrats want him. The that they, they hate him. Um, you know, Hillary Clinton hated him, uh, and now the Trump administration, despite during the election campaign a couple of years ago, Trump saying, I love WikiLeaks, uh, now he yeah. wants to throw the book at him. Or maybe right. he's going to bring him over and then, uh, uh, you know, there is a conspiracy theory that Trump's going to uh, bring him in and then just uh, pardon him and let him go, but I don't know. Um, right. but, the, but the big issue here is... Not so much about WikiLeaks or Assange. It's about criminalizing opposition to war. It's about criminalizing journalism, publishing, uh, uh, publishers and journalists talking about stuff that the American elite don't want openly discussed. According to a Brooklyn mm-hmm. lawyer, Tor Eckeland, who works with people who have been charged with computer crimes... He wrote an article in Wired where he says the Espionage Act has a long history of being used to silence political dissent. Mm. Now, we we sort of seen this recently on the Cold War show um, where we're talking about another Australian, Australian union leader, uh, Harry Bridges in the 30s, 40s, 50s. Uh, They went after him with the Espionage Act and then the Smith Act and then all sorts of things they tried to use to break Harry Bridges' power. Um, And then we've seen other stories. Um, I I don't think we've covered this in the Cold War show, but in 1942, in the middle of World War II, after Mm -hmm. the Chicago Tribune 
published a front story titled Navy had word of Jap plan to strike at sea, which basically suggested that the US military had cracked Japan's secret naval code, which in fact, as you know, it had. Mm -hmm. FDR demanded the Espionage Act be charges be brought against the reporter who wrote the story, the managing editor and the Tribune itself. Damn. And as we talked about, it was FDR who uh, went after Harry Bridges as well. So right. even even in the uh, better administrations that the United States has had, they've still tried to use things like the Espionage Act to stop dissent and uh, to stop political reporting and, and reporting not just in wartime, but it's, it's happened outside of that. Uh, well, I guess you could say the Pentagon Papers was wartime. Um, right. In 1972, of course, the, the Nixon administration tried to stop the New York Times and the Washington Post from publishing the Pentagon Papers, which was a top secret uh, report that the, the Department of Defense had prepared on the status of the Vietnam War, uh, mm-hmm. Was you know the the basic story for those who don't know. I'm sure everybody does, but in case somebody doesn't know, any kids listening, hi kids, um, hi, brush your teeth twice a day, kids. Um, oh, you'll end up like Uncle Cam with only three teeth left. Um, the <laughs> uh, D- Daniel Ellsberg, who was part of, he he, he was working for. Um, uh, God damn it. I, Victor Santoki even took me there. Uh, Rand. He was working for the Rand Corporation. Right. Um, working with the Pentagon in Vietnam. He was sort of an analyst. And uh, he saw that on one hand, the, the Pentagon and the Nixon administration were telling the American people, oh, it's all going fabulous. Uh, right. It's going great. We're, we're, we're this close, finishing it all off. It's going to be fantastic. You're going to love it. Um <laughs> Uh, but secretly, behind the scenes, they were privately saying the war's fucked. Like, we got no hope of right. getting out of here. Like, this is a complete shit show. And yeah. they were lying to the people. So he leaked the uh, this report to the media. Uh, government wanted to throw him in jail for the rest of his life and stop the newspapers from publishing it. But mm-hmm. uh, the Supreme Court intervened, yeah. uh, said that preventing publication was an infringement of the First Amendment. So th- th- yeah. this has been going on for, for decades, trying to use things like the Espionage Act to stop publishers from reporting stuff, secrets that governments don't want leaked. This isn't new, but uh, yeah. it, it's always scary when it happens. Sorry, you wanted to say something? Well, I just want to throw in, yeah, I think we've shown time and time again that um, when the government is covering up something, either somebody's dying or rights are being lost, and if the corporation is covering up, then some kind of theft on a massive scale is is being covered up. So you're right, so that's their job to cover everything up. Um, I wanted to give a quote from another attorney, Ted Boutros, who was on CNN, and I'm sure you're going to get to this later, but he was saying that um, whether Assange is a traditional journalist or not is not the issue. That's actually a red herring. What it is is that's the Department of Justice trying to give themselves the authority with these new um, accusations, these 17 new charges, of uh, letting the DOJ decide 
they get the power of saying who is and who was not a reporter. It's it's basically just another attempt to them to have another arrow in their quiver of intimidating people. You're a reporter, you're not, so we can go after you. And you're absolutely right. This is them trying to take advantage of the situation because a lot of these charges, it's, it's going to go right smack up against the First Amendment. It's going to have to play itself out. But they're trying to give themselves as many weapons as possible to intimidate. And if that doesn't work, to punish people who let out secrets that obviously the government would prefer not to have, not to see the light of day. Yeah, and particularly thing that exposes the the corruption mm-hmm. of politicians and corporations, um, and and the Ill, illegitimacy of their military engagements. They, they want to shut that shit down because right. obviously the as we've talked about many times the the corporate media is usually on board in the US with your mm-hmm. with your military engagements around the world and with corporate malfaisants. They'll expose some here or there, but generally speaking, it's protected. Um, Assange uh, uh, went after that and also, of course, uh, embarrassed both the Republicans and the Democrats equally with some of his yes. leaks, so they all hate him. And there, there has been talk uh about well in coming from journalists in the media over the years well Assange isn't a real journalist he's not a real publisher fuck him but even mm-hmm. some of his bi- biggest critics now are worried about what's going on including people like Rachel Maddow who I'll talk about a bit later but uh if, if you don't think that this issue that these charges, are uh, a threat to traditional journalism and publishing. The Freedom of the Press Association mm-hmm. disagrees with you. Uh, the Freedom of the Press Association put out a release saying this is a fundamental threat to press freedom in the 21st century. The executive director of the Freedom of the Press Foundation, Trevor Tim, said this in a statement. Put simply, these unprecedented charges against Julian Assange and WikiLeaks are the most significant and terrifying threat to the First Amendment in the 21st century. The Trump administration is moving to explicitly criminalize national security journalism. And if this prosecution proceeds, dozens of reporters at the New York Times, Washington Post and elsewhere would also be in danger. The ability of the press to publish facts the government would prefer remain secret is both critical to an informed public and a fundamental right. This decision by the Justice Department is a massive and unprecedented escalation in Trump's war on journalism. And it's no exaggeration to say the First Amendment itself is at risk. Anyone who cares about press freedom should immediately and wholeheartedly condemn these charges. Now, um, of course, it didn't start with the Trump administration, as I said before, uh, going way back to, uh, was I think, Woodrow Wilson, who brought these uh, the Espionage Act in, and it mm-hmm. was designed to stop opposition to World War I. Um, of course, you know, we've talked about this on, on the Cold War show, maybe on this show, different places. I think Wilson got elected. Uh, his, his whole campaign... It was we're not we're not going to get involved in any European war, and then he was <laughs> right. like, then he got elected, and he was like, well, now we need to get involved in this European war, and and they had to create this whole PR campaign to convince Americans to do that, 
And when a lot of Americans uh, arced up and said, no, no, we, we don't want to do that. We don't want to get involved in war. They created the Espionage mm. Act and said, uh, well, you shut know, up. you're not allowed to. It was the actual wording of the Espionage Act uh, made it illegal to try and uh, talk Americans out of going to war. That's the... That's, the, oh, that's <laughs> insane. Yeah. Well, is it? No. I mean, it was, they had the... Um, <laughs> it was originally called, I think, the Sedition Act, the Alien and Sedition Act. Um, let me find the right wording here. It made it a crime to convey information with intent to interfere with the operation or success of the armed forces of the United States or to promote the success of its enemies. This was punishable Mm. by death or by imprisonment for not more than 30 years or both. Right. Punishable by death for 30 years. Um, After that, you got brought back to life. Uh, To convey false reports, (laughs) illegal to convey false reports or false statements with intent to interfere with the operation or success of the military or naval forces, blah, 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 blah. Or to cause or attempt to cause insubordination, disloyalty, mutiny, refusal of Mm. duty in the military or naval forces of the United States or to willfully obstruct the recruiting or enlistment service of the United States. This was punishable by a maximum fine of $10,000 or by imprisonment for not more than 20 years or both. So if I if I published a pamphlet or an mm-hmm. article in a paper saying, listen, don't, don't uh, sign up to go to war. This is ridiculous. Um, we shouldn't be fighting in this war. We, it's not. It's none of our business. Don't get involved. Boom. Right. You're in That's jail. Your opinion. Jail for twenty yeah. years. Right. Um, the land of the free and the home of the brave. So as long as you toe the line. Yeah. As long as you don't <laughs> step outside of the line. Yeah. Now, uh, what? Well, so, the Obama administration, uh, in many ways, set the precedent for this. Oh. Right. Um, the, the Department of Justice under the Obama administration brought charges against eight people accused of leaking to the media uh, right. under, using the Espionage Act. Uh, Thomas Drake, Shamal Libowitz, Stephen Kim, Chelsea Manning, Donald Satchelburn, Jeffrey Sterling, John Kiriakou, and Edward Snowden. Right. Yeah. But aren't we supposed to forgive Obama because he reduced Manning's sentence from 35 years to seven years? Aren't we supposed to hail him as some individual rights leader or something? I mean, do you think that was just, you know, for lack of a better word, propaganda on his part? I mean, I'm just I don't know the reason why he cut back uh, Manning's sentence. Do you have any do you have any thoughts on that? Mm. No, I mean I'd like to give him the benefit of the doubt, but he shouldn't. But there's have, six other people, but right. should, shouldn't have prosecuted Chelsea Manning in the first place uh, as a right. whistleblower. You know, when Obama again was when he was campaigning mm-hmm. back in two thousand and eight, um, he was uh, talking about additional protections for whistleblowers that we yeah. need whistleblowers. Whistleblowers are important. To exposing corruption, he gets elected and he starts throwing whistleblowers in jail. So, right. you know, so much for that. Hard to give he Obama lied to credit. Yeah, he's a liar. 
And um, it's not just Assange at the moment. A couple of weeks ago, cops in San Francisco raided the home of a freelance journalist called Brian Carmody. Have you heard Mm -hmm. about that story? No. Please tell me. Busted into his house in the middle of the night, put him in cuffs, confiscated all of his computer and recording equipment. Mm-hmm. Had him in cuffs for six hours before they released him. Uh, but during that time, the cops were searching his house and then trying to interrogate him, all under the guise of a leak investigation. Because a few weeks before that, Carmody had sold a story to uh, the media mm-hmm. about the death of a local public defender. And his story was based on a leaked police report. Uh, I think there was some video footage, some interviews. Uh, But they basically arrested him to try and Mm -hmm. find out who leaked the police report to him. Right. And this is in San Francisco, in California, which is supposed to be the the liberal bastion of the United States, right? Right. We love gay people and weed, but uh, not freedom of the in press. That, not the First in Amendment that so much. In right. that order, yeah. So, and again, we should just make it clear to everybody, even though this is obvious, reporting on leaked information as far as at, at this moment, up to this moment, is not illegal. You can go after the person who did leak it from the police, but not someone who reports on it. And like you were saying, they were trying to squeeze him, intimidate him to find out who's who gave him that information. So I guess these... Police that came into his house were the local police, probably embarrassed by all this, versus um, the feds or something like that. I'm guessing. Yeah, I think it was the local police, but they got mm-hmm. a judge to sign a warrant on oh, this, buds. which is yeah. uh, shocking. Right. Now, getting back to Assange, though, the, the crazy thing about this is what it demonstrates about the reach of the United States. Oh, yeah. The UK is cooperating, as far as we know, uh, as is Ecuador and Sweden, probably. Not to mention the Australian government, who has done fuck all to protect... (laughs) It's one of theirs. Yeah. Done fuck all to defend or protect Julian Assange over the last seven years the US have been after him. How is the United States able to organize for an Australian publisher and journalist to be evicted from his asylum at the Ecuadorian embassy? Now, you know, he's in a British prison uh, and, and is facing extradition to the United States on espionage charges. Mm -hmm. Uh, Of course, I mean, this whole, how, how do you, how does America charge mm-hmm. an Australian who doesn't live in the United States, an Australian journalist slash publisher. And if you, again, mm-hmm. as I said in our last show about Assange a month or so ago, if if you don't think he's a journalist, well, he won the highest award for journalism issued by the journalism industry in Australia, the, the Walkley Award. So, so you're wrong, basically, if you don't think he's a journalist. Right. Um, <clears throat> Uh, how how does the United States charge an Australian journalist who doesn't live in the United States with espionage and organise to have him hauled to the United States? Not successfully yet, but that's what they're trying to do. And so that basically means any journalist or publisher anywhere right. in the world 
that yes. publishes American secrets faces the risk of being just picked up, snatched from anywhere in the world by the United States and taken to the United right. States and thrown in prison. That, well, that, that's the world that we're looking at now under our, uh, you know, uh, uh, leader of the free world, right. uh, Donald Trump. Well, part of the answer seems to be money. Didn't we arrange uh, behind the scenes for, was it Ecuador, to get a massive loan from the, from the monetary fund? I'm yeah. trying to remember the details. So, yeah. there's, so like you were saying earlier, you've got your carrots and you've got your sticks. And the sticks come in many different forms when you're dealing with something like Australia. Certainly not a military stick, but there are other ways to um, hurt them, you know, um, as far as their prestige, as far as their wallets. But I think it basically, basically comes down to money and America throws it around. So if the U.S. Espionage Act applies to foreigners, does the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution no. apply to foreigners? You, you, you silly Australian. <laughs> no, no, no. It, it's for Americans only and not even really us. It depends on who you piss off. So for non-Americans, the First Amendment prohibits the government from abridging the freedom of speech or of the press, which Thanks. is... You know the why the the Pentagon Papers, uh, the publishing mm-hmm. of the Pentagon Papers, was deemed constitutional by the Supreme Court. Of course, the Supreme Court today, very different yeah. Supreme Court to 1972. Yeah. Now that um, you know Trump was able the to Jordan. get rapey McRaperton right. on there, so <laughs> uh, the, the 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 view that the uh, majority of the Supreme Court might take on this if it gets that far is probably going to be different. Um, yeah. I'm worried about Roe v. Wade, but we can do, we can talk about that later. Although maybe if, if, yeah. if Assange is found guilty of rape in Sweden, then mm-hmm. uh, Brett Kavanaugh and he might bond over that and Kavanaugh right, have might give to him a free about. pass. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hey. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> hey, buddy. Hey. Yeah. They might... Uh, <laughs> You know, do, do do a kegger and uh... on their heads, standing on their heads. Yeah, I just I, I want to go back just for a second to this whole risky challenge that the U.S. government is is going for with these seventeen new charges. Because you're right, it is it is very very close to the First Amendment basis. And and you probably read this, but I just found this fascinating two assistant U.S. attorneys in the Justice Department who previously worked on the Assange case, they do not now, said that um, they disagreed with the DOJ's decision to charge Assange under the Espionage Act because it would be challenged on a First Amendment basis. So you've got two assistant U.S. attorneys inside the Justice Department going, look, this is not good. And even if you do it, we're certainly not saying that you're going to win. So I don't know if it's just a, even if it's just a, a futile exercise to harass Assange, to waste a ton of his time, because we are talking years, we are talking a lot of money here. Just the fact, even if they can't punish him, just to harass him and put him through the ringer and to intimidate future leakers or publishers. Yeah, I think there's a big part of that, intimidation mm. of publishers and journalists. Right. Because, right, this this will ruin your life. I mean, Assange's life in many 
respects has already been ruined, but uh, lost seven years. Yeah, yeah. They 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 will uh, threaten to ruin anyone's life. It's a shot across the bow of uh, ah. journalism and publishing around the world, not just in the US, but around the world. Right. Absolutely. Um. Now, nothing in Assange's indictment, as I understand it, um, really makes any distinction between WikiLeaks and what WikiLeaks does and has done and the mainstream press. The the current charge mm-hmm. would apply just as equally to traditional journalism and media if they released secrets. Um, I, I read a an analysis of this by Ofer Raban, who's a professor of constitutional law at the University of Oregon. Mm-hmm. Now, nobody knows more about constitutional <clears throat> law than I do, Ray. Um, but, True. you know, True just, to, just, just, I go to offer for, um, you know, supporting uh, statements. He says, <laughs> even the claim that Assange isn't a real journalist because legitimate journalists do not help their sources hack into computers is mm. nonsense because he isn't accused of hacking into a computer. Right. He's charged with agreeing to help Manning hack into a computer, which is a criminal conspiracy. That's the the legal vector that uh, right. he's being charged with. Now, as Ofo Raban points out, do t- legitimate journalists sometimes engage in conspiracy, uh, criminal conspiracies with their sources? Of course they do. Every time a journalist's res- a j- Every time a journalist receives mm-hmm. and publishes classified national security information, yeah. he is conspiring with his source to yeah. disclose classified information, which is a crime. So traditional journalists engage in criminal conspiracies. Every day. Every day. And publishers publish the results of that. So this is what journalists do. And the Obama administration thought so as well. In 2009, a Fox News reporter, and it's always funny for me to put those words together because I don't think of Fox (laughs) News as actually doing reporting, but okay, we'll use the word loosely. Fox News reporter James Rosen wrote an article that contained leaked classified information about North Korea. The Obama administration then filed a search warrant application where it argued that Rosen was a criminal co-conspirator of whoever it was in the State Department that leaked the information to him. Right. So the Obama administration, as I said earlier, sort of uh, paved the way for mm-hmm. going after journalists as criminal co-conspirators of people leaking information, um, yeah, this isn't this isn't a Trump administration thing, right? If, if I can just add um, another another analysis, if you will, it was in the New York Times. We're saying that as far as these new charges against Assange, that they did them in such a way as that they are splitting hairs to try to be on firm ground 
as firm ground as they can on the courts. Because in the in the accounts that were deemed the publication of wait, well, let me try that again. In the accounts that deemed the publication of the files a crime, prosecutors focused on a handful of documents revealing the names of the people who provided information to the United States. So again, it, it's almost like a red herring. This whole thing about is he a reporter? Is he is he not? I think that's just spin and PR. And the other thing that is probably a red herring because it doesn't seem to uh, have a legal basis is he published names of people who were providing sources who were providing information to the United States and that put their lives at risk. Whether it did, whether it didn't is not the point. As far as we know, that's not illegal. But they're they're including that in the charges. Again, they're trying to paint this guy as someone who doesn't care about people, as someone who will do anything to get to the story or whatever, even if he has to kill, kill people who are trying to do a service to the American people. So again, it's just trying to it's basically character assassination, even if they can't bring him to this country. Yeah. And, you know, the, the point that I've always made about that going back mm-hmm. years is the, 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 the responsible party or the party responsible for putting those people in danger isn't the oh, journalist. It's right. the people that are uh, using them to... Uh, 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 Gather intel. Yes. getting them to talk about it, you know, engaging them in an act of uh, war. That Mm -hmm. is the party that's putting them in danger, not the person who reports on it. He's doing his job. Now, you... Okay, so as an American, you may say, well, these people are helping us. Yes, but what about the other side that he is working against? He's... That that person uh, who's uh, a source... Uh, is putting the lives of other people at risk, in danger, by being a source to the Americans. So, you know, if... if yeah. by, by it's a matter of perspective. By, exactly. By revealing those, you might be putting them, the source, in danger, but they're choosing to do that. Uh, but you might be saving the lives of people on the other side of the conflict by exposing that person and preventing him from uh, putting them in danger. So, yeah, it's all a matter of perspective. Now, now, another guy who's not not a big fan of Assange is the former editor of The Guardian, Alan Rusbridger. He was the Mm -hmm. uh, editor when The Guardian worked with Assange to uh, publish a lot of the documents that were leaked uh, by, by Chelsea Manning. Allegedly, um, right. I think it, I think that's pretty much on record. Um, he just wrote a major article, though, uh, in the Guardian, defending Assange, uh, mm. who he doesn't like. They have major falling out. They've both written nasty stuff about each other. But Russ Bridger wrote right. the Espionage Act was a panic measure enacted by Congress to clamp down on dissent or sedition when the U.S. entered the First World War in 1917. In the subsequent 102 years, it has never been used to prosecute a media organization for publishing or disseminating unlawfully disclosed classified information. Nobody prosecuted under the Act is permitted to offer a public interest defense. Now, they've tried to prosecute media organizations, Mm -hmm. but they've never been successful, is what he should have said. Whatever Assange got up to in 2010 to 11, it was not espionage, nor is he a U.S. citizen. 
The criminal acts this Australian maverick allegedly committed all happened outside the US. As Joel Simon, director of the Committee to Protect Journalists, has observed, under this rubric, anyone anywhere in the world who publishes information that the US government deems to be classified could be prosecuted for espionage. The new indictment against Assange falls into three parts, each of them attempting to criminalise things journalists regularly do as they receive and publish true information <laughs> given to them by sources or whistleblowers. Assange is accused of trying to persuade mm -hmm. a source to disclose yet more secret information. Most reporters would do the same. Then he is charged with behaviour that, on the face of it, looks like a reporter seeking to help a source protect her identity. If that's indeed what Assange was doing, good for him. Finally, he is accused of repeatedly publishing material that could harm the national security of the US. Whenever you read about journalists harming national security, massive alarm bells should start ringing. Think no further than Richard Nixon trying to prosecute the Pentagon Papers whistleblower Daniel Ellsberg for harming national security in 1971. Ellsberg, an intelligence analyst, found that the Vietnam War had been prosecuted on the basis of a web of lies and thought the public deserved to know. To Nixon, Ellsberg's commitment to the truth was treason. He reached for the Espionage Act. Ah, that really... That really, I mean, I know this is going to sound obvious, but that really does put in perspective for me. How does an Australian who's not in the United States break an American law and somehow should be dragged here against his will in chains to face our, I mean, I mean, what can I do to have the Australian government, what can I do here in America to get the Australian government to want to come after me, to want to have the United States government send me over there to face something? I mean, it just defies logic and then when you throw in the whole first amendment thing which is the point you were making a second ago this is what reporters do every single day of their lives how does this thing not blow up in trump's face but i i guess the um the big question is if some somehow trump can pull this off i mean he would establish a precedent that can be used against journalism journalists all over the world don't you dare say anything about America or expose us or do ever, especially if we're doing something wrong, because we can and will come after you. I yeah. mean, it's scary as hell. We have unlimited resources and we will come after right. you using them. Yeah. Um, you know, look, there, look there, there obviously exists international law. And, and if you right. break law, the law, countries can try to have you extradited and that sort of thing. But the United States isn't even part of the International Criminal Court. It refuses <laughs> to participate because it knows it it, it and its it representatives break the law constantly, yeah. um, mostly human rights uh, cases I think they're concerned about. And so they go, no, fuck you. There's no international law. We don't give a fuck. Um, but but then you know it's trying to drag an Australian over there for breaching uh, a domestic law. It's insane. Now another critic of Assange I mentioned earlier, Rachel Maddow, corporate hack for MSNBC. Um, as uh, Caitlin Johnson, another Australian journalist, uh, calls her the queen mother of all tinfoil pussy hat wearing Russia Gate insanity. Uh, oh my 
Rachel Maddow was one of the main people who were assuring everyone that Trump had conspired with Russia. Uh-huh. Uh, she, even she has said, the government is now trying to assert this brand new right to criminally prosecute people for publishing secret stuff and newspapers and magazines and investigative journalists and all sorts of different entities publish secret stuff all the time. That is the bread and butter of what we do. So even she is coming out and saying this is this is bad juju. So I hope um, that's all I want to say about Assange. But we'll, we'll we'll follow it as it develops. But um, make sure that uh, if you see anyone on the Facebooks uh, attacking Assange or defending the Trump administration on this, you uh, jump in and and set them straight on that. Send them a link to this podcast um, if you need to because it's this is terrifying. Yeah. This should yes. be terrifying. Not just to journalists but to people everywhere yeah. because if they shut if the US is able to shut down criticism of it particularly by Ooh. foreign journalists as well as right. domestic journalists then um, then yeah. what? Then what? I think the answer to that is the only pre- people who can then criticize us are China and Russia, and that only increases tensions, and that's never a good thing. Let's talk about more lies. Uh, now, on, on this here bullshit filter series, Ray, I don't know if you remember, but we did a big series on the Syrian civil war. I, I remember that, yes. Yeah, yes. Tw- 20, 25 episodes, I think, we did on <laughs> the Syrian civil war. Right. Um now, as part of that, we talked about the evidence for and against the Assad regime using chemical weapons on mm-hmm. its own people. There were several uh, alleged attacks by the uh, government's military using chemical weapons uh, right. on, on Syrian people. And, you know, we talked at length during our series on how hard it was to know who to believe. Yeah. Did Assad really do it? Why would you do that? Why, Particularly when he was winning all of these battles, why would you then drop chemical weapons on civilian right. populations? He, of yeah. course, denied doing it. Uh, his opposition... Uh, and the United States and the United Kingdom kept claiming that he did do it, uh, but the evidence was sketchy, to say the least. Um, sure. And, and I, I, I took a neutral position on it. Um, I, I didn't know who to believe. Well, <clears throat> some evidence has come out in the last couple of weeks, which uh, is deeply, deeply troubling. Mm-hmm. And and uh, I'm using as my source for this... Um, Robert Fisk, who I quoted a lot in the Syrian series, British investigative journalist who spent most of his career in the Middle East, uh, one of the one of the guys I go to for he writes for the Independent and he's one of the one of the um, better journalists working in the Middle East for my money, well, uh, mm-hmm. Western journalists, and um, what's happened is the OP. CW, who we talked about back on that show, the Organization for the Prevention of Chemical Weapons. Mm-hmm. It's uh, a UN body that re- 
reports on the use of chemical weapons and looks at the evidence, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And you know, they're an organization that we want to trust, we want to believe. Yeah, it's kind of important. They issued a report on uh, a chemical weapon attack that happened uh, in 2018, about a year ago, April 2018, in Duma. Right. Which is, I think, from memory, uh, in Damascus. Duma's in Damascus, Ray, in uh, Ghouta. It's around there. Dam- yeah, Damascus-ish. It's in Syria, you- the Duma district. Uh I'm going to go with yes, since you've got the high-speed internet. You should yeah. be able to talk, research. Yeah, and... yeah. All right, yeah. all right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. just... Uh, I concur. Slightly northeast of Damascus. Mm-hmm. Um, just out, of, you know, outside, um, in, in the Ghouta region. There you go. My memory holds up, despite nice. having a C60 tape for a memory. Um, <laughs> so they said uh, at the time that, yes, they believed the Syrian regime had dropped... Uh, chlorine gas but what has emerged recently again because of a leak in its final this is a quote from Robert Fisk's uh, article in its final report on the alleged use of chemical weapons by the Syrian regime in the city of Douma last year the OPCW mm-hmm. deliberately concealed from both yeah. the public and the press the existence of a dissenting 15 page assessment of two cylinders which had supposedly contained molecular chlorine, perhaps the most damning evidence against the Assad regime in the entire report, the OPCW officially maintains that these canisters were probably dropped by an aircraft, probably a helicopter, presumably Syrian, over Duma on the 7th of April 2018. But Mm -hmm. the dissenting assessment which the OPCW made no reference to in its published conclusions, finds that there is a higher probability that both (laughs) cylinders were manually placed at those two locations rather than being delivered from aircraft. So the whole thing was was staged. Right. So, yeah. No, I was going to say, even the United States Supreme Court, and I imagine other Supreme Courts are the same. When, when you vote, when you have a, a case and you, and you uh, decide, even the, even the losing side gets to write up something and have it attached to it. And here, what you're saying is that entire information that went counter to what they wanted it to say was completely left out or buried. Yeah. And now, I, I, I'm... Mentioned this story when it first broke a, a week or two ago. Uh, I, I published it. I, blo- I, I, I published it on our bullshit field of Facebook page and said, "Listen, I haven't dug into this yet, but it, it looks legit." Um, mm-hmm. And it seemed like this report, and it seemingly is legit because uh, when the media have contacted the OPCW for comment, they instead of saying that documents fake, they've said they're conducting an internal investigation about the unauthorized release of the document. So it's a real document written by real engineers who Mm -hmm. came to the conclusion that the chemical containers uh, had probably been staged by somebody. But the OPCW didn't include that in their public report. So is there no impartial 
investigative body on this planet? Can you not even trust these people who are supposed to investigate? Let's face it, besides something like um, an outbreak of uh, virulent disease, something that's equally important, you know, chemical weapons, you think you would be able to trust them that that cause would force them to be as honest and as open as they could be. We can't even trust these investigators. Yeah. And I, I misspoke before. Um, the IPCW is not a UN body. They're uh, a separate body that came into being in 1997. Uh, mm-hmm. The the Chemical Weapons Convention created it. 193 member states. It's uh, based in The Hague in the Netherlands. Right. So not the UN. But, uh, yeah, look, you, you would hope it was a credible organisation, but this is a major yeah. blow to its uh, credibility. If it's yeah. uh, dis- withholding this sort of yeah. information, um, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think it, uh, it's going to make it very hard for us to believe anything that comes out of the OPCW in the future. And not only that, but I think you and I said when we were doing this, or I think you said during the when we were covering the Syrian war, if us if Assad is Assad is winning, that is not the time you do something dangerous and stupid, uh, like chemical weapons. You do that when you're desperate and you're losing. I mean, he has nothing to gain by that. I think that was the point that you're making. So when you take that along with this, again, it's just like you said, when that when that entity comes out with anything in the future why trust it at all why even begin to think about trusting it yeah yeah my point at the time was uh, you know Assad is has was and is continuing as far as i'm aware to make the argument that that his government is legitimate and that the mm-hmm. uh, civil war is the result of mostly isis and and foreign parties trying to overthrow the Assad regime so they can take over what is mostly a, has been for decades a, a secular government right. in the Middle East, uh, sitting in between the the Sunni and the Shia. I mean, sitting in between uh, the Saudis, uh, the extremist Saudis, and extremists in Iran, mm-hmm. and extremists in Israel. Uh, it's been successful in maintaining that kind of independence um and yes it's had to be brutal at different times to shut down dissent uh and and to shut down uh religious uh fundamentalist uh, terrorism and these sorts of things whether or not that's true or not that's their argument and has been Mm -hmm. since the days of his father in the late 60s early 70s uh but he's he's trying to position himself as the good guy in all of this that's just trying to keep his people and his country safe from extremists and he's winning i mean he's winning the war against Mm -hmm. isis and against the uh the the um insurgents and the, the the rebels from his own military to then go and and invite international uh criticism by using chemical weapons when he didn't have to there was no point it's not going to make a difference in the battle didn't make any sense whatsoever why would you do that i think i said at the time either he's completely batshit insane which i don't think he is because we watched interviews with him i don't think he's insane 
Mm-hmm. Um, unless he's a very good faker. He doesn't come across as crazy anyway. Um, or some of his military guys are batshit insane and did it. In yeah. which case he would probably say, listen, uh, my guys did this and I'm prosecuting them. Um, I'm holding them to account yeah, or here's something. A yeah, what was it? Right. Well, yeah. yeah. It, 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 it did happen. It wasn't me. It was my guys. Um, but whatever. Maybe he would deny it. Yeah. But it, 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 like on the surface of it, it just didn't make any sense. And now we have evidence, strong evidence, compelling yeah. evidence, that the OPCW's mm-hmm. conclusions on the most recent of those uh, didn't contain the full story. And so that puts into doubt their conclusions on the earlier attacks as well. Absolutely. Uh, which which goes which yeah. goes back to the main which goes back to our main premise for this entire series. Don't believe the news, don't believe spin. You now you can't even believe investigative bodies. You can't even, you know, believe people who are checking things out like chemical warfare which is one of the most obviously dangerous things on this planet don't believe anything at face value do your own research to the best of your ability but at the very least just stay open to the idea that you're being lied to or manipulated because chances are you are and if that's all you take away from this entire series then our work is more than done well and speaking on that last story i want to wrap up with um a report came out this week that the Pentagon gave mm-hmm. a British PR firm over $500 million mm-hmm. to run a top secret propaganda program in Iraq. They were, the, the firm Bell, <laughs> Bell Pottinger was what? hired to make short TV segments in the style of mm-hmm. Arabic news networks and insurgent videos, and then to sort of make them available, what the what the military would do is put these on CDs and then drop right. them around Iraq. It's, um, yeah, it's a fascinating story. It's quite brilliant, um, but fascinating. So they were basically as I said, paying this PR firm to make fake um, fake video clips that mm-hmm. looked either like Arabic news videos or insurgent videos. Then right. what they would do is put these on CDs that had a copy of Real Player on them. Uh, then they were Real Player mm-hmm. videos, which I'm not sure if that's even still a thing, but it was back... Uh, <laughs> Back in, in the day. T- 2004, when they were doing right. this. Um, actually, I think it was between, hold on, uh, 2007 to 2011, they were engaged to do this uh, for $120 million a year. Not a bad gig if you can get it to make a few fake videos. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, 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 and so they would... When they would go in, uh, when the American military would go into um, Iraqi uh, locations, like houses that they would raid, they would drop these CDs there when they were trashing the joint. They'd go looking for information, Mm -hmm. but then they would drop these and then they would leave. 
And then what they yeah. wanted to happen was the CDs, the, 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 the Iraqi insurgents would come back after the US military had left, pick up the CDs that the military had left, take them back to their it's new right. base, put them in a computer right. to run the video. Now, there was code in the uh, uh, hacked version of Real Player, which was linked mm-hmm. to a Google Analytics account, which would give a list of the IP addresses where the CDs had been played, then the US would oh be God. able to figure out the geolocation of those IP addresses, and that would mm-hmm. uh, let them know where the where the insurgents were. And sometimes, according to a guy who worked on this project, who's um, come forward with all of this, mm-hmm. uh the IP addresses would show up in the middle of Baghdad, but sometimes they would even show up in Iran, Syria, and even in the United States. <laughs> so right. they could see where these CDs were going and they could track insurgent networks using it. So, okay, clever, very clever. Uh, apparently, yeah. uh, Petraeus, General Petraeus, was involved in this campaign. Right, he had to um, sign off. Yeah, and he was getting the reports on where these things were going, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But the thing that I find fascinating about this is confirmation that the US was hiring companies like this to make fake insurgent videos. Uh, Now, I've often wondered about the Osama bin Laden uh, videos, Right. That came out while he was still alive, where he was claiming this or claiming that, claiming responsibility for this. Or when you see uh, in the news, ISIS uh, put out a video claiming responsibility for this or claiming that or saying this or beheading that guy. Could have been this firm. Look, in this day and age, you have to wonder, without putting a tinfoil hat on, um, you, you have to wonder, well, how much of this is fake? How much of this has been produced by the U.S. military? Um, And it's impossible to know. Now, this story, uh, as far as I know, it's confirmed. I mean, this isn't... I'm not getting this off, um, you know, some fucking crazy uh, 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 conspiracy theory website, by the way. This this is on the Bureau of Investigative Journalism's website. It's uh, yeah. it's a, a fairly uh, credible uh, source. Um, so you, you, this is confirmation that the US does produce fake Middle Eastern terrorist videos. Uh, and this right. is just uh, one example of how they've used those. There may be 20 other examples of them doing this and using them in different ways in terms of propaganda that we see here in the West that we aren't aware of yet. Um, So, again, this is something that conspiracy theorists have been alleging for decades that the US, uh, and and not just the US, I mean the UK and and France and, you know, whoever, um, governments, their military produce fake um, propaganda to to convince mm-hmm. you that uh, the enemy is saying this and doing this, and this is just confirmation that this actually isn't crazy. This does happen, has happened. The only question is, yeah. 
how often it happens and uh, are you is that you know something that you're looking at now or not right my my favorite part of this was that because they actually interviewed the former chairman of this UK company Lord um, Bell or whatever his name was I can't remember but the pen, when when Pentagon was approached about this they said look all, all the information that we put out that we put out was truthful which sounds like to me it's splitting hairs and so it comes down to this and the and there, there was a 2011 article covert intelligence um, provision in Iraq and there's this uh, article written by this nine guy named Seagal and he says that um, he notes that the US law prevented the government the United States government from using propaganda on the domestic population of the United States which makes sense so in a globalized media environment the Iraq operations could theoretically make its way back home so it was prudent for the military not to be involved hence they hired a uk firm so the military the pentagon could be accurate when they say the information we put out was all correct but what they're leaving out of that sentence is however we did hire this company and we spent more than half a billion dollars to produce a whole bunch of lies and so when it gets down to that kind of nitpick hair splitting you really start to you can't trust anything the Pentagon's saying. You can't trust anything the government's saying because they're telling you the truth from a certain point of view, from a certain angle, given certain facts. Everybody lies. Everybody covers up, especially when you're doing something illegal, immoral, dangerous, whatever. It's just the way of the world. Mm. Mm. Uh, this was Lord Bell. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, it's fine. Now, this... Um same PR firm, Bell Pottinger, uh, mm. isn't around anymore because they got caught out doing other <laughs> evil shit. Um, but, you know, going back earlier in 2011, they were caught uh, editing WikiLeaks, uh, sorry, not WikiLeaks, Wikipedia, on behalf right. of their clients, um, trying to put, put spin into Wikipedia. Um, but then they got caught out in 2016 doing dodgy shit in South Africa. They were accused of facilitating state capture by the Gupta family. State capture is God. basically political corruption where private interests take control of you know a government. Um, this is in South Africa. The Gupta family, one of the wealthiest mm-hmm. families uh, in South Africa, they've got interests in everything, pretty much uh, technology, media, mining, and they had very close ties to Jacob Zuma during his presidency. And this mm-hmm. PR firm, Bell Pottinger, had been involved in uh, helping put a put a major spin positive spin on the Zuma administration on behalf of the Gupta family, which had uh, completely corrupted the administration. That came out. Wow. Um, came out that Bell Pottinger had this massive social media strategy they'd been running in South Africa, fake bloggers and commentators and fake Twitter users trying to run a, a, a public opinion campaign, so racial division in South Africa, exacerbate racism, um, mm-hmm. basically all in terms of, uh, of building up support for Zuma's administration. 
they got uh, caught out and the firm basically, uh, I think it kind of was uh, sold off and uh, probably rebranded and keep doing the same thing. Got closed. The firm got right. closed, but I think but it they, made its money. Yeah, they yeah. probably sold probably. out. Yeah. So um, there you go. Um, just another example. You can't believe anything. PR firms getting paid hundreds of millions of dollars it's so sad. on behalf of governments, presidents, rich people, and the Pentagon to to spread propaganda. Um, we should we should do the whole South African story in another episode. It'd be interesting. Anyway, uh, that's I think that's all the time we have for today. That's a bullshit filter. The news. We'll be back uh, next week, maybe. I guess. Yeah, with another new show. If you've got any ideas for series that we can do, uh, let us know. Send us an email. We'll think about it. All right. Later, Gator. Bullshit. 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 Bullshit.